following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, get a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil plus a Napa platinum oil filter for $21.98. That's a pretty unbelievable deal. But trust us, it's totally real, but only for a limited time. So get Napa full synthetic and a Napa platinum oil filter for $21.98 today. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 4 Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. Today we have Gary Brackett on the show. He's a former NFL linebacker who played for the Indianapolis Colts and won the Super Bowl over the Chicago Bears. He is also owner of the Stack Pickle Restaurant franchise. Hey, Gary, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on the Sports Money Podcast. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. So let's get right into it. Uh, How how did you go from being a star linebacker in the NFL, really not that long ago, uh, to being a restaurant entrepreneur? Yeah, so um, it's a great question. My my first ever job was in the restaurant industry as a dish boy. Um, So I learned a lot of, you know, uh, what goes on in the back of the house. And I've always was fascinated uh, with the ideal. Um, I had opportunity when I finished my nine year career with the Colts uh, to invest in a restaurant. And and I always figured, like, how how do I monetize my brand? People know me. They like me in Indianapolis. But how how do I monetize that? So open up a restaurant. I figured because of my name, people will give me a chance and if the food is good, then then they'll definitely be, be coming back. So um, thankfully, the food is good, and we've been able to grow. Uh, now we have nine stores, and, and, and we just started franchising a little over two months ago. Tell me a little bit about what type of uh, food Stack Pickle serves. Yeah, so it's it's your typical bar food. I mean, we have burgers, uh, 10 premium burgers. We have wings, 14 wing sauces. We have wraps. We have salads. Um, we have a pork tenderloins, which are huge in, in Indiana. Um, so it, it's your typical bar fare, um, but it's very affordable. We have specials every day of the week, um, and, and we also accept large parties. So we see quite a bit of big um, athletic teams in our building, as, as, as well as regulars, you know, everyone's neighborhood hangout. Now, Stack Pickle wasn't it like uh, one of the Colts' uh, defensive formation or anything, was yeah. it? Or was this a name you came up with on your own apart from that? Yeah, no, it was not a, a defensive formation. Um, I actually had a partner previously who came up with the concept, and I brought in um, at early on and actually brought him out about three years ago. All right. You have to forgive me. I haven't yet had the pleasure of uh, visiting one of your places. But uh, is it uh, on the inside of this like a sports bar? Do you get a lot of people to come to, to watch the games and stuff? Or what? Yeah, what's the yeah. interior like? Yep, over 21 TVs. Uh, we're in the Big Ten, so we have a lot of Big Ten flags around. We have some local uh, heroes from Indiana uh, on the walls. Um, yeah, so it's just a fun place, great place to watch a game. I, I tell people I kid, but I say when you graduate from Buffalo Wild Wings, you come on over to the Stack Pickle. <laughs> you know, you kind of went quickly over the fact that you started out as, uh, I think you said, a, a, a dish boy in the first restaurant. But – um. You know, I very interesting. I, I was talking to former NBA commissioner David Stern not too long ago, whose dad, uh, I believe it was a delicatessen his dad owned, and, and David worked there as a kid. And I said, what, what did you learn working for your dad in the deli? And he said, everything I needed to know 
about dealing with people. And um, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. And I was kind of like, you know, that first job can be so important in terms of the knowledge gained and the experience and how it helps you later. And I'm just thinking people kind of try to start restaurants all the time, you know, and you see sports bars go up. What did you learn with that first job that has come to help you later on to make your franchise successful? Yeah, so funny story. So Paulie was our was the head cook. He's a chef, um, owner. His family owned the joint. So he was about six five, big guy, two hundred seventy pounds. And I was in the back, and and we had you know it's a it's a catering place, right? So we sit two hundred people. So it was four dishwashers and myself. So Paulie calls me out. I'm the senior dishman at the time, about seventeen years old, and he says, "Gary, I got a problem. Someone had an accident in the bathroom." So I'm thinking, you know, someone spilled a drink, something. So I'll go in there, and it's just a bunch of throw up all over the place. And I'm just like, wow, right? So I was like, okay, I could, I could do this. So I go back in the back of the house, and I tell the people in the dishroom, like, hey guys, we got a project. I need y'all to come clean. So I went out there, I got out the tools and supplies. I instructed, you know, the other three guys what I wanted them to do, and I'll be back with the mop so we can mop it up. So they clean everything up. We come back and mop it up, and then I go to Paulie and say, hey, it's done. I took care of it, right? So he looked at me like, man, that's amazing. I couldn't believe you did it that fast. And everyone was good. So I learned one valuable key, and that was delegation, right? <laughs> um, be, being able to delegate um, and have other people, you know, see your vision and get it done, I think is an important piece uh, for me to learn at that stage. And then, you know, throughout my playing career, I played basketball and also football in, in, in high school. But being able to delegate certain things and responsibilities to others and having that trust in them that they're going to be able to get that job done. But to delegate, right, you also have to have good people to delegate to. You know, just like when you were playing ball, you got to trust your teammates. But you were able to be successful because you had some good teammates playing with you. What I'm driving at is, what is it you look for when you're hiring people, regardless whether it's, you know, somebody senior or just an entry-level employee? Are there characteristics that you look for when you talk to these people and look them in the eye? Yeah, there is. I think um, I think integrity. I think a, a big thing that I'm attracted to is energy. You know, some people have positive energy and they're happy. It, it's hard to teach and train happy. Right. If someone is not a happy person and they come inside of your restaurant, it's hard to train them to be actually happy. So I would much rather get someone who has zero restaurant experience and train them that are happy than someone who has 10 years that is just not unhappy. I think uh, when I look at each one of my separate restaurants, they all have their own individual chemistry inside their four walls. And it's based on uh, the relationships they have with their peers. So I want to make sure that every time I bring someone up there, I, I don't want them to be energy drainers. I want them to be ener- energy providers. So I want them to come in there and kind of set the tone and provide that energy inside the restaurants. Well, it sounds like your your restaurants, the uh, personality of the restaurants and your colleagues going to emulate the personality you had when you played linebacker for the Colts, because that's how I would describe you when you played a lot of energy. And you always seemed really happy playing. Yeah, that was it, man. That was my escape, man. Uh, high octane, you know, paying the kids game, getting paid a King's ransom. Um, so at the time it didn't get better than that, man. So I wanted to take advantage of every moment that I had when I was out there on that field. How hard was it to get the capital together 
to start out in the restaurant business? Yeah, so I was fortunate, you know, being that I was a former athlete, I had uh, resources uh, available to me. Um, but I think dealing with the bank, I had a great relationship with a local bank, Huntington Bank, um, and they took me through the process, man. But um, after I finished with football, I went to school and got my MBA. Um, and I learned different type of skill sets that I would need to, to learn and understand going to this level. So I wrote out a 20, 30-page business plan to hand over to the bank with all of my qualifications. Uh, and I was able to secure a loan uh, with my experience, um, the, the, the fact that you know, I was going to be involved, um, and the fact that I had capital as well. And breaking away to say this show is brought to you by the Business Platinum Card from American Express. However you move your business forward, with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum Card, backed by the service and security of American Express. You mentioned that you know you were making good money playing in the NFL, but you know as well as anyone that a lot of NFL players uh, – they make good money, but a few years after they retire, they're broke. I forget the exact percentage, it's a, but it's a really, really high number. And you know, I, maybe about ten years ago, I was talking to—I oh, can't remember his name—but he was a, the, he's the former Colt who represents the retired players' union or, or uh, does a lot of work with them. And I said, "Why doesn't the league do something like say, okay?" We're going to take 10% of your paycheck and we're going to put in a 401k and you can't touch that, you know, till you leave. Just like, you know, people that don't play sports, like here at Forbes, we have a 401k, X amount goes in and I can't touch it without a penalty. And he just said, you know, they've they brought that to the attention of players and they, they just, they don't want to do it, you know, um, but you're, you played in the league a long time. You know, what's your take on the, uh, uh, lack of ability, it seems like, for a lot of players to to hold on to their money so they could do what you did when they retire. Yeah, so so one thing, um, I was a member of the union for a number of years, and one thing that we did do was we forced players to, to opt into the 401k. So now every year, every player has to opt in, whether they like it or not, into the 401k because the teams, I think they double you. So whatever the max is, the team will double that amount. Right. So that's a uh, that's a everyone has to do that in their 401k. Um, and that was established maybe a couple years ago, um, maybe eight, nine years ago. That was established. Um, the second thing, I think why it's misleading the number is a, a lot of players, unfortunately, they don't play a long career. The average NFL career is three and a half years. Right. So, so if a gentleman, you know, makes six hundred, seven hundred thousand pre-taxes, after taxes, agent fees, and everything like that, they really don't have a lot of money. Um, so w- when you get into like the like myself, a mid-tier player that played, you know, over six, seven years, got some pretty good contracts, I think then it's all about making smart investments and really not depending on everyone else to kind of manage your money and you being a silent guy because, unfortunately, um, not everyone is out for your best interest. So what I've done when I was in the NFL, I've always studied. I always read. I did internships um, during the off season, and I always had several mentors in, inside the business community that really to, to really get, brought to my attention some things that I needed to know and be prepared for when, when I was transitioning from the game. 
Who were some of the mentors that you really uh, looked up to and feel like you learned a lot from? Yeah, so uh, I had a great friend of mine. Unfortunately, he just passed last year in a car accident, but his name was Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he owned a software technology firm um, and it just exited from another technology firm, um, and he brought into that. Um, I have another uh, great friend, mentor, uh, Drew Myroff. He's an attorney at a, at a local um, Ice Miller law firm, and he, he's my risk assessment guy. Uh, very conservative, but gives me really sound advice um, when I'm going through any business decision, personal decisions. Um, and, and between the two of them, they really give me sound information um, when I'm thinking about, you know, starting a business or doubling down or franchising. So I, I always feel like I'm covered. Restaurants are hard, hard business. Um, you know, I mean, long hours. You know, people tend to think who aren't familiar with it can think, well, you know, you just kick back. You come in once in a while, taste the food, make sure there's people there working. How many hours a week do you work? Uh, as an entrepreneur, man, I feel like I wait. I work to, from when my eyes open to my eyes close. Um, you, you got your phone, you know, on you at all times. So I'm accessible. Ten stores. I mean, we're open from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. So um, it, it's a long amount of time. You, you know, it's not active work. Maybe it's just a phone call. Someone's keeping me abreast of a situation that just occurred. Um, but yeah, but I'm actively always thinking about work or physically out there. What's the hardest part about the restaurant business? Um, I, I would say the hardest part is, um, I would say human capital. I, th I think every every business owner that I know is kind of struggling with that human capital piece and hiring the right person. And, you know, it's so expensive to hire someone to train them and then for them to leave you for another 25 cent you know, down the street and, and don't give you opportunity to match, it's just really disheartening. So mm. um, it's just par for the course. So you got to deal with it, pay your people appropriately, create, like I said, that chemistry inside your restaurant, and, and hopefully they don't leave you. I made the mistake last night because I knew you and I were going to chat today. I, I looked started looking at the menu that you guys yeah. have, and it was before dinner. Big mistake. I got so hungry. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, I mean, it was – spectacular look who came up with the menu are these your ideas of these these dishes yeah so um now um i mean i brought the concept three years ago and a lot of the ideas were there but recently we went to about four menu iterations um yeah so a lot of ideas are mine i mean um it, it's funny i always joke i can't lose weight because i'm always out uh market testing you know <laughs> Other, other people's food. Uh, but we do quite a bit of drive-arounds when we go to different cities um, and, and we eat at, you know, eight to ten different restaurants and try to food and get menu ideals and, and put them on a list. So when we come up with a new menu, you, we, we want the best, you know, from, from everywhere we saw. Gary, what do you mean when you say that the concept was there? Um, so I brought the concept. So um, when I purchased the concept three years ago, the menu already exists. Ah, I see. So a lot of the items that are on the menu are still fried pickles are still on the menu. Our wings are still on the menu. Um, but some of the different flavors and the wing sauces are stuff that I added. I or see. some of the different sides or rice bowls, some healthier dishes. You know, those those are things that I tweaked and tried to increase, you know, uh, tr trying to give everyone what they want in, in these changing uh, economic times. So, so uh, the concept is developed by someone else, and it's kind of like what, like an outline, a rough outline of what the restaurant would be like, and then someone 
buys it, like in you know, in your case, obviously it was you, and then you kind of fill in all the pieces. Am I describing that the right way? Uh, no, actually. So the guy, um, he had the concept. He had um, model proof of concept. He had three stores open. I invested in store number four and store number five. Um, and then at store number six, he had like a health scare uh, that he had to get out of the business. And uh-huh. I was there and I was familiar with it, So I purchased it. Got it. Um, yeah. But what I did was I branded it. You know, I put some systems in place that can scale. Um, so I did all the infrastructure work to be able to franchise and produce these models um, all over the country. Got it. Got it. I understand now. So, okay, here's the real tough question. What's the – you could only have one dish mm. at the Stack Pickle. What would yeah. it be? You, I mean, you, Gary, said, you know what? For the next six months, you could only eat here once. What's Gary going to order? Man, you know what? I'm going to order the hangover burger. So All it's right. a burger. I, I take my burgers medium. Um, there's going to be uh, cheddar cheese. Uh, there's going to be bacon, and there's going to be an egg on top of it. All right, because now I know what I'm going to try when I go there. That's what I'm going to have, <laughs> hangover burger. Hey, you went to Rutgers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I went to Rutgers. I'm a Jersey boy. Yeah, okay. yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, 20 minutes away or so from the school. Um, you know, it's very interesting. When I was doing a little research on you, my m- mind went to a couple other guys uh, – that I've interviewed, one that started out in restaurants and he's he's transitioned over now. He's got a Coca-Cola distributor distributorship, uh, yes, Junior sir. Bridgman. Yes, sir. You know, and uh, I went out, uh, I want to say maybe two years ago, uh, and interviewed him out in uh, Milwaukee. Oh, no, it was Kentucky. Excuse me, it was Kentucky, I believe. And uh, he was uh, somebody that we interviewed for our TV show, Forbes Sports Money. And it was fascinating. His the the way I would describe it is it takes a tremendous amount of discipline. Uh, he really, um, uh, you know, I was kind of looking at him like the first fifteen minutes because when I was a kid growing up, he was the guy, you know, in college, and then with the Bucks, you know, he was an awesome six man, but superstar in college. I'm saying, wow, this, this like guy that was like this awesome basketball player is now running like these restaurants you know I and mean, one was taco bell i'm not sure what the others were and, and he yeah and he, wendy's right yep. like, did you ever did you ever connect with him or talk to him or yeah. try to pick his brain yeah yeah so I've, I've heard him speak on two occasions um before and um we keep on missing each other but i, I would love to contact him we, we have the same food vendor um and i would love but i know a story very well and um he's definitely a role model of mine someone who i look up to um but what he was able to accomplish you know in his career and like you say, he owns a Coke distributing plant now. I think he does over 500 million revenue. Um, so, I mean, he's just a phenomenal example of, of what's possible. It's like you said, if you have that discipline, you get your head down and, and you continue to work. And taking a break to say there's this place in Bali where you can play 18 holes next to an active volcano. There's this fountain in Miami that goes off with every home run. There's this subway line in New York that'll take you straight to both arenas. There's an exciting and thrilling world waiting, and no other card lets you experience it like the business platinum card from American Express, backed by the service and security of American Express. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents when it happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn, I, I killed her. 
damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Your brand uh, was developed while you were playing as this outgoing, happy, energetic guy. You were very popular, you know, and then this is a team that had Peyton Manning on it. I mean, but you, you, you know, the camera was on you a lot, talked about you a lot, player of the week a couple of times. Were you conscious? Did you consciously try to develop that brand thinking that, you know, at some point I'm going to retire. I'd like to have a really cool brand established that I could parlay into a business. Or was that just the way you are, the way you were brought up? Yeah, well, well, it's a little both. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, I lost both of my parents, but they definitely taught me to treat everyone like you want to be treated, you know, and, and definitely treat every day like it's a blessing, it's an opportunity. Um, but then from a business point of view, um, Stephen Covey had a great book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits was to begin with the end of mind. And I knew that the end was going to be somehow me using my brand to, you know, project me into the business world. And having a positive image, you know, definitely helps me out in terms of marketing um, and, and people really understanding, you know, what the Stack Pickle is and what we do because, you know, they, they, they know about my playing career and, and all the success that we had, you know, when, when I was playing with the Colts. Now, both of your parents, you lost them within a 16-month span. I mean, that's like, I can't, I, well, I can't imagine what that's like. Did that give you a different perspective on life? It did. And, and at the same time, I lost my brother to cancer in which I gave my uh, a bone marrow uh, transplant to. So um, losing my mom, my dad, my brother in that short time period, <clears throat> it just really just always taught me to just live life to, to the fullest because you never know, you know, when when, when your time is going to be, be up on this earth. So um, I, I really just try to maximize each and every day. Um, you know, I'm called a workaholic. I'm called a lot of things just because I just want to get the most. I want to squeeze every bit of juice out of the lemon. All right. And, and and that's what this life is for me. And I'm just trying to get everything I can out of it. Yeah. I mean, your, your dad was an army guy, right? Yeah, he was a Marine. You, all, you know, it's funny. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was interviewing David Robinson, whose father served in the uh, Navy. And David went to the Naval Academy, as you know, the great uh, San Antonio Spurs player. And uh, I'm hearing from you echoes a lot of what I got heard from him, which is those military parents, there's something about discipline there. And there's something about, like, uh, excuses. Like, there really aren't any excuses. Like, you got to get it done and you got to be disciplined. You got to do the next right thing. Um, I'm hearing a lot from you, you know, the undertone from what I heard from uh, David Robinson. Yeah, no, he's exactly right. I mean, my father, you know, we would be 30 minutes early on the regular to appointments, right? You just wanted to be very punctual. You got up in the morning, you made your bid, you know, you just did certain things that was just routine. Um, and people ask me now, I mean, I still, in probably the same size that I played, people ask me like, how you do it? I'm like, it's the routine. Like, once you have a routine and successful for you, why change it? So I still get up. I still work out, you know, religiously four or five days a week. I still eat properly. I still read. I still give back to the community. I mean, everything I did that made me successful as a player, the same thing I'm doing as a business owner. Well, I got to ask you too, you know, uh, 
after all those seasons. How do, how do you feel right now physically? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I um I always said that I wanted to play ten years or have ten surgeries. Um, so I played nine years and I had eight surgeries. So uh, definitely a little bit too close um, to count on the on, on the surgery front. But um, I get physical therapy uh, once a week. Um, you know, I still get acupuncture. I still get massages. And my philosophy has always been that an ounce of prevention is worth more than a thousand pounds of a cure. Um, so I just want to stay in front of some injuries that that I've had and and make sure that I'm I'm constantly you know get my body worked on. Do you get out much on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I got um yeah I got tags on everything. Gary Brackett five eight on Twitter. Gary Brackett on Facebook and Instagram. So I'm active. Actually, every morning I post a motivational message from one of my pages. Um, just a message either from me or my followers. Uh, something to kind of inspire you for the day. That's cool. I'm going to have to check that out. You know, I was thinking, too, the times you were at the Colts, you played with some interesting cats. I mean, uh, uh, coaches, players, Manning, uh, receivers, the the whole nine yards. It was pretty interesting. Um, What was that like, that era? You know, it was amazing. My first time I went to the Colts, I was a rookie free agent out of Rutgers. You know, Rutgers doing my career isn't the powerhouse that we are now. I'm just kidding, of course. Um, But um, when I went there, man, it was amazing. I'm lined up, and it's uh, Marvin Harrison on the right slot, Reggie Wayne on the left, Peyton Manning, a quarterback, Edron James um, in the backfield, right? So it was just like, wow. Um, But someone told me, man, don't don't look at players for the back of the jerseys. Just look at the front of the jerseys, right? Just look at the numbers. You got – I'm looking at number 18, who's who's giving a hand of the ball to 32 – who then passes the ball to 88. So when I when I started to just look at guys as players instead of, you know, these legends that I'm playing with, it really allowed me to kind of just settle in and, and, and play football. It's hard to turn on the TV, very hard to turn on the TV, especially during football season, watch a game and not at some point see a – pizza commercial with Peyton or some other commercial with Peyton or I mean the guy seems to be everywhere people have I think his wife owns a piece of the Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA he seems to be very involved in businesses since well before he even retired and it's just expanding now Um, did you ever talk business with Peyton did it seem to have uh, a, a mind for business when you were with the Colts yeah you know actually not with the Colts man with the Colts he was all football all the championships and and we were both captains for six years my last six years we were captains both in the Super Bowls teams and and the whole so we talked a lot of football we talked um you know he didn't have his kids um till almost his last year in 2011 so his last year here was my last year playing football so um I, I really didn't see the, the the Peyton Manning as a father and Peyton Manning as a business owner and everything else as he transitioned um, when I when I when I played with him, he was in his prime, and all he wanted to do was go out and win championship. Do have uh, any of your former teammates or guys you played with in the NFL come up to you to check out your restaurant or inquire about you know being that you were sort of one of these guys really involved with the four hundred one ks in the NFL and out for the financial interest of the players. Have they looked at that and then looked at what you're doing now and said, you know, man, I gotta talk to this dude and maybe. He's Maybe the restaurant business could be something for me. Yeah, absolutely. I get quite a few phone calls from from players, current and former, 
just asking me, um, what do I have going on? Can they come out here and shadow me? Or can I talk to them? And and, and I would love to. I mean, I, I talk to the Indianapolis Colts once a year um, just about, you know, what it means to be a professional athlete and how do they prepare themselves for to trans- transitioning successfully. Um, so, so I love to give the advice that I have to, to some of the guys, but they absolutely support me every year. I also have a steakhouse downtown Indianapolis called Char Blue. So every year during the combine, a lot of guys we hang out there, and there's some music there, and it's like a local steakhouse with some some local source items. So um, that they they get along there, and then um, we probably go out and to another games to watch some basketball games. So they definitely support, and and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before. Um, one of those guys become one of our franchisees. Now, you mentioned this steakhouse. What's your goal over the next few years uh, in terms of growth? Are you focused more on expanding into other types of restaurants, steakhouses, things like that, or really sticking with your main your main franchise here? Finding more franchisees, I guess, is the right word. Yeah, yeah. So my main goal, my main focus is to build the Stack Pickle. Uh, we have nine restaurants. We currently just signed a lease on our 10th spot, so we get possession on August. So we're going to have 10 restaurants by November. We have two leases signed, I mean two LOIs signed for next year. So we're going to continue to grow. Uh, we've had about five or six discovery days, so we're very close to signing some franchisees. Um, so that's definitely my main focus. However, because of the systems that I created and some of the other institutional knowledge that I have, there comes these one-off opportunities that present themselves with different partners. Um, and in some of those situations, I might be able to participate um, and just use some of my systems to help them out. But that doesn't really take take me away from my main gig, and that's at the Stack Nickel. Now, how much if I, if I wanted if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking that you know this may be I may maybe I should be a franchisee of one of these stack pickle places, um, right. how much is that going to cost me? Set me back. How do I get involved? Yeah, so we have a website um, um, from our stackpickle.com website, or you can go to buildthepickle.com uh, to learn about the franchise information. But so we're looking anywhere from three hundred and fifty k. That's in second generation spot, so a former restaurant, all the way up to about 800k. That's in a new restaurant, white box, uh, depending on the landlord and the package that they give you in terms of tenant improvement dollars um, and how they're going to approve the box before they hand it over the keys. What parts are I, are you all in Indiana right now? Are all at nine of the restaurants in Indiana? Yes, all nine are in, currently in Indianapolis, and. Um, yeah, we're looking to get out of state with one of our franchisees. So hopefully I should be hearing back this week. Um, we talked to a group from Louisville that's very excited about branching out there. Um, and they really have a fantastic location. So I'm looking forward to to hopefully signing one up by uh, hopefully the end of the week. How's the uh, NFL? You know, you, you were in the uh, NFL internship program, was it? Uh, yes. You're right. Um, have they asked you back to help out there to so that you could share some of the knowledge you've gained? Yeah, so I, I spoke at the when we had the combine here in town. Um, I speak to some of those guys at that at that event and some of the organizational stuff they have there. Last year, I had a conflict in my schedule. Um, it was spring break um, during one of the conferences, but this year I have it um, marked on my schedule to kind of go out and and be one of those voices uh, for one of the many seminars that they put on uh, through the NFL. And it, you know, 
what's what's your take just right now, sort of getting away from franchising a little bit, of sort of the state of the NFL right now? Looking at diff- getting different signals. The TV ratings were down last year, uh, yet Amazon is, is paying a, a five-fold increase for Thursday night uh, streaming rights. Um, you have teams moving. The, the Rams a couple, you know, went out to L.A. The Raiders are going to move to Las Vegas. Um, what's your take on it, all this? I think it's very interesting. I think what you said earlier about the um, the the TV um, viewership being down, and I think a lot of it, obviously, to be frank, was with the political conditions with the Colin Kaepernick, and I think you know a lot of people responded uh, negatively to that. But I also think that the NFL um, got away from 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 being fun, from being entertainment, right? And and they wanted to be so by the book that a lot of fans were disinterested in just watching these robots out there on the field. I think what made the NFL great is that you had all these unique talents um, that were very exciting players. Well, when a player can't be exciting and he gets a big fine for maybe celebrating too much after a tackle or a sack or a touchdown, then that becomes a problem. So I think um, this year, I think they, they let some of those um, fines go. And I think they're going to bring back the celebration but you, you're, you're just competing so much for so for people's eyeballs that have so many different things to look at. So you got to make NFL and that game so exciting um, for for a fan and wanting to sit three four hours and you know to enjoy a ball game. Would you ever like to be a team owner? You know, small piece. Like right now, they're talking about maybe Derek Jeter buying a small piece of the Marlins there for sale. Right. Um, is, would, would something like that interest you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at the, the you know, the, the, it's always funny when, when owners, you know, when, when all the CBA negotiations, everyone's always look at how much the owners make, the players make more than the owners. Well, they, they neglect to, uh, to, talk, to, to talk about the equity that they gain inside of their franchises, right? So a guy who owns a franchise of 400, 500 million, all of a sudden after a, a, a successful run is now worth you know, two point something billion dollars, right? It's just amazing. You know, some of the network that these guys are getting. You look at the Senate, um, the the Warriors, right? Well, how much she buy for four hundred, five hundred mil? Four hundred fifty million, yeah. Yeah, now it's worth two point something billion dollars, right? And everyone sees Steph Curry get a two hundred million dollar contract and say, "Oh my God, this is amazing." Well, no, if you're the owner, that's amazing, right? So, um, I absolutely, if that opportunity already presented itself. I would definitely jump at it. Yeah, I think uh, Richard Sherman uh, was talking about last week about the fact that they've got a. Uh, they were comparing salaries of NFL players with NBA players, and of course, the NBA players make more. He was saying they got to do something like uh, with about that salary cap because they feel like uh, for the NFL players, they're they're largely underpaid, and because um, I think you know they get about forty eight percent of revenue at the end of the day. Um, and I've always kind of thought that, too, a little bit myself. I'm like, you know, clearly when it comes to physical uh, uh, pain and abuse and what you give in terms of your body, you know, football by far, you know, it's more than basketball. Uh, yet it's flipped when it gets to the salary side of things. Um, do you think the players will ever go towards a uh, higher salary cap in the NFL or there's some other reason for why uh, they make what they make? No, I think the reason why is just the injury rate. If you look at the injury rate in the NBA versus the NFL, I mean, it's 
double, triple, I would imagine. Um, so there's a lot of liability there for owners. And if you sell the pedal salaries, I mean, I, I, I get why it's not that case um, in the NFL. Um, but I do think that we could do a better job if, if our contracts are uh, smaller in terms of monetary value they should be more guarantees. Right. Um, I think that's what Sherman was talking about. That was the difference. They're guaranteed in the NBA. They're guaranteed in baseball. Right, not right. not guaranteed in the NFL or except for the bonus that you get up front or in some cases, you know, maybe a right. third of the contract. Yeah, he was saying guaranteed. That seems It seems like it should be because you're putting your body on the line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if now that I'm a business owner, I, I understand, right, if – if I sign someone to a five-year, $150 million deal and they throw out, and they blow out their knee in, in, in week one and, and they can't play or they're not the same player that they are and I'm, and I'm in them for, you know, $30 million a year, as as owner, I have a problem with that, right? I mean, it's not – you can't tie my hand. So I, I understand both sides mm-hmm. of it. Um, I, I just think, you know – and, and I, I just think players need to use there, – there's an assurance piece that you can have to protect your income in your contract. I just, I just think that needs to be more of an option for players that sign these big contracts to protect themselves against injury. They just have to pledge some funds um, with some assurance to just, you know, protect that upside. Right. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you, Gary, taking the time to chat with me today and uh, graciously ask you to keep me in touch with the progress of the restaurant, when you, especially if you get one a little closer to the New York, New Jersey area, because I definitely want to go. The, the The food looks and sounds fabulous, and uh, I wish you continued success, my friend. All right, thank you, man. Same to you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. By the way, you can download the all-new Podcast One app now in the App Store or on Google Play. Find your favorite shows and new content to go with them like articles, behind-the-scenes photos, and videos. There is no other podcast app like this. Check it out. HBO's Game of Thrones is back for its seventh season. Winter is finally here, and so are the White Walkers. Will the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros survive the threat from the north, or will they fall in the looming war for the Iron Throne? After you're done watching an episode, join the discussion here on the Game of Thrones After Show on Podcast One. Every week, our hosts discuss each episode in detail, from shocking twists to fan theories, as the series chronicles the violent struggle among the realm's noble families for ultimate power. Join the fray every week on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you think you can solve any problem by turning your computer off and on. Hey man, is something wrong with your laptop? Nah, I just need to turn it off and on. No problem. It's smoking. Yeah, that just means it needs to reboot. Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. And now it's on fire. Happens all the time. It's all good. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Your brand uh, was developed while you were playing as this outgoing, happy, energetic guy. You were very popular. You know, and then this is a team that had Peyton Manning on it. I mean, but you, you, you know, the camera was on you a lot 
talked about you a lot, Player of the Week a couple times. Were you conscious? Did you consciously try to develop that brand, thinking that, you know, at some point I'm going to retire, I'd like to have a really cool brand established that I could parlay into a business? Or was that just the way you are, the way you were brought up? Yeah, well, well, it's a little both. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, I lost both of my parents, but they definitely taught me to treat everyone like you want to be treated, you know, and, and definitely treat every day like it's a blessing, it's an opportunity. Um, but then from a business point of view, um, Stephen Covey had a great book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits was to begin with the end of mind. And I knew that the end was going to be somehow me using my brand to, you know, project me into the business world. And having a positive image, you know, definitely helps me out in terms of marketing um, and, and people really understanding, you know, what the Stack Pickle is and what we do because, you know, they, they, they know about my playing career and, and all the success that we had, you know, when, when I was playing with the Colts. Now, both of your parents, you lost them within a 16-month span. I mean, that's like, I can't, I, well, I can't imagine what that's like. Did that give you a different perspective on life it did and, and at the same time i lost my brother to cancer in which i gave my uh a bone marrow uh transplant to so um losing my mom my dad my brother in that short time period <clears throat> it just really just always taught me to just live life to to the fullest because you never know you know when when, when your time is going to be be up on this earth so um i i really just try to maximize each and every day um, you know, I'm called a workaholic. I'm called a lot of things just because I just want to get the most. I want to squeeze every bit of juice out of the lemon. All right. And, and and that's what this life is for me. And I'm just trying to get everything I can out of it. Yeah. I mean, your, your dad was an army guy, right? Yeah, he was a Marine. You, all, you know, it's funny. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was interviewing David Robinson, whose father served in the uh, Navy. And David went to the Naval Academy, as you know, the great uh, San Antonio Spurs player. And uh, I'm hearing from you echoes a lot of what I got heard from him, which is those military parents, there's something about discipline there. And there's something about like uh, excuses, like there really aren't any excuses. Like you got to get it done and you got to be disciplined. You got to do the next right thing. Um, I'm hearing a lot from you, you know, the undertone from what I heard from uh, David Robinson. Yeah, no, he's exactly right. I mean, my father, you know, we would be 30 minutes early on the regular to appointments, right? You just wanted to be very punctual. You got up in the morning, you made your bid. You know, you just did certain things that was just routine. Um, and people ask me now, I mean, I still, in probably the same size that I play, people ask me, like, how you do it? I'm like, it's the routine. Like, once you have a routine and successful for you, why change it? So I still get up. I still work out, you know, religiously four or five days a week. I still eat properly. I still read. I still give back to the community. I mean, everything I did that made me successful as a player, the same thing I'm doing as a business owner. Well, I got to ask you too. You know, uh, after all those seasons, how do, how do you feel right now physically? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I um I always said that I wanted to play ten years or have ten surgeries. Um, so I played nine years and I had eight surgeries. So uh, definitely a little bit too close um to count on the on, on the surgery front, but um. I get physical therapy uh, once a week. Um, you know, I still get acupuncture. I still get massages. And my philosophy has always been that an ounce of prevention is worth more than a thousand pounds of a cure. 
Um, so I just want to stay in front of some injuries that, that I've had and, and make sure that I'm, I'm constantly, you know, get my body worked on. Do you get out much on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I got, um, yeah, I got tags on everything. Gary Brackett 5 8 on Twitter, Gary Brackett on Facebook and Instagram. So I'm active. Actually, every morning I post a motivational message from one of my pages. Um, just a message either from me or my followers, uh, something to kind of inspire you for the day. That's cool. I'm going to have to check that out. You know, I was thinking, too, the times you were at the Colts, you played with some interesting cats. I mean, uh, uh, coaches, players, Manning, uh, receivers, the the whole nine yards. That was pretty interesting. Um, What was that like, that era? You know, it was amazing. My first time I went to the Colts, I was a rookie free agent out of Rutgers. You know, Rutgers during my career isn't the powerhouse that we are now. I'm um, just kidding, of course. Um, but um, when I went there, man, it was amazing. I'm lined up, and it's uh, Marvin Harrison on the right slot, Reggie Wayne on the left, Peyton Manning, a quarterback, Edron James um, in the backfield, right? So it was just like, wow. Um, but someone told me, man, don't don't look at players for the back of the jerseys. Just look at the front of the jerseys, right? Just look at the numbers. You got, I got I'm looking at number 18, who's, who's giving the hand of the ball to 32, who then passes the ball to 88. So when I, when I started to just look at guys as players instead of, you know, these legends that I'm playing with, it really allowed me to kind of just settle in and, and, and play football. It's hard to turn on the TV, very hard to turn on the TV, especially during football season, watch a game and not at some point see a pizza commercial with Peyton or some other commercial <laughs> with Peyton. Or, I mean, the guy seems to be everywhere. People have, I think his wife owns a piece of the Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA. He seems to be very involved in businesses since, well, before he even retired, and it's just expanding now. Um, did you ever talk business with Peyton? Did it seem to have uh, a, a mind for business when you were with the Colts? Yeah, you know, actually not with the Colts, man. With the Colts, he was all football, all championships, and, and we were both captains for six years my last six years, we were captains, both in the Super Bowls teams. And, and oh, so we talked a lot of football. We talked, um, you know, he didn't have his kids until um, almost his last year in 2011. So his last year here was my last year playing football. So um, I, I really didn't see the, the, the Peyton Manning as a father and Peyton Manning as a business owner and everything else as he transitioned. Um, when, I, when, I, when I played with him, he was in his prime, and all he wanted to do was go out and win championship. Do have uh, any – of your former teammates or guys you played with in the NFL come up to you to check out your restaurant or inquire about, you know, being that you were sort of one of these guys really involved with the 401ks in the NFL and out for the financial interest of the players. Have they looked at that and then looked at what you're doing now and said, you know, man, I talk to this dude and maybe, maybe the restaurant business could be something for me. Yeah, absolutely. I get quite a few phone calls from, from players, current and former just asking me, um, what do I have going on? Can they come out here and shadow me? Or can I talk to them? And and, and I would love to. I mean, I, I talk to the Indianapolis Colts once a year um, just about, you know, what it means to be a professional athlete and how do they prepare themselves for to trans- transitioning successfully. Um, so, so I love to give the advice that I have to, to some of the guys, but they absolutely support me every year. I also have a steakhouse downtown Indianapolis called Char Blue. So every year during the combine, a lot of guys we hang out there, and there's some music there, and it's like a local steakhouse with some some local source items. So um, 
that they they get along there, and then um, we probably go out and to another game to, to watch some basketball games. So they definitely support, and and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before um, one of those guys become one of our franchisees. Now you mentioned the steakhouse. What's your goal over the next few years uh, in terms of growth? Are you focused more on expanding into other types of restaurants, steakhouses, things like that, or really sticking with your main your main franchise here? Finding more franchise ease, I guess, is the right word. Yeah, yeah. So my main goal, my main focus is to build the Stack Pickle. Uh, we have nine restaurants. We currently just signed a lease on our 10th spot, so we get possession on August. So we're going to have 10 restaurants by November. We have two leases signed, I mean, two LOIs signed for next year. So we're going to continue to grow. Uh, we've had about five or six discovery days. So we're very close to signing some franchisees. Um, so that's definitely my main focus. However, because of the systems that I created and some of the other institutional knowledge that I have, there comes these one-off opportunities that present themselves with different partners. Um, and in some of those situations, I might be able to participate um, and just use some of my systems to help them out. But that doesn't really take take me away from my main gig, and that's at the Stack Pickle. Now, how much if – if I wanted – if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking that, you know, this may be – I may maybe I should be a franchisee of one of these Stack Pickle places. Um, right. How much is that going to cost me, set me back? How do I get involved? Yeah, so we have a website um, um, from our stackpickle.com website, or you can go to buildthepickle.com uh, to learn about the franchise information. But so we're looking anywhere from 350k. That's in second generation spot, so a former restaurant, all the way up to about 800k. That's in a new restaurant, white box. Uh, depending on the landlord and the package that they give you in terms of tenant improvement dollars. Um, and how they're going to approve the box before they hand it over to Keys. What parts are – are you all in Indiana right now? Are all at nine of the restaurants in Indiana? Yes, all nine are in, currently in Indianapolis. And, um, yeah, we're looking to get out of state with one of our franchisees. So hopefully I should be hearing back this week. Um, we talked to a group from Louisville that's very excited about branching out there. Um, and they really have a fantastic location. So I'm looking forward to, to hopefully signing one up by uh, hopefully the end of the week. How's the uh, NFL, you know, you, you were in the uh, NFL internship program, was it? Uh, yes. You're right. Um, have they asked you back to help out there to so that you could share some of the knowledge you've gained? Yeah, so I, I spoke at the, when we had the combine here in town, um, I speak to some of those guys at that, at that event and some of the organizational stuff they have there. Last year I had a conflict in my schedule. Um, it was spring break um, during one of the conferences. But this year, I have it um, marked on my schedule to kind of go out and, and be one of those voices uh, for one of the many seminars that they put on uh, through the NFL. And, you know, what's, what's your take just right now, sort of getting away from franchising a little bit, of sort of the state of the NFL right now? Looking at diff- getting different signals. The TV ratings were down last year, uh, yet Amazon is, is paying a, a five-fold increase for Thursday night. Uh, streaming rights. Um, you have teams moving. The, the Rams, cup, you know, went out to L.A. The Raiders are going to move to Las Vegas. Um, what's your take on it, all this? I think it's very interesting. I think what you said earlier about the, um, the, the TV um, viewership being down, and I think a lot of it, obviously, 
to be frank, was with the political conditions with the Colin Kaepernick. And I think, you know, a lot of people responded uh, negatively to that. But I also think that the NFL um, got away from, from, from being fun, from being entertainment, right? And, and they wanted to be so by the book that a lot of fans were disinterested in just watching these robots out there on the field. I think what made the NFL great is that you had all these unique talents um, that were very exciting players. Well, when a player can't be exciting and he gets a big fine for maybe celebrating too much after a tackle or a sack or a touchdown, then that becomes a problem. So I think um, this year, I think they they let some of those um, fines go, and I think they're going to bring back the celebration. But you you're, you're just competing so much for so for people's eyeballs that have so many different things to look at. So you got to make NFL and that game so exciting. Um, for, for a fan and wanting to sit three, four hours, you know, to enjoy a ball game. Would you ever like to be a team owner? You know, small piece, like is right now they're talking about maybe Derek Jeter buying a small piece of the Marlins there for sale. Right. Um, is, would, would something like that interest you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at the, the you know, it's always funny when, when owners, you know, when, when all the CBA negotiations, everyone's always look at how much the owners make, the players make more than the owners. Well, they, they neglect to, uh, to, talk, to talk about the equity that they gain inside of their franchises, right? So a guy who owns a franchise of 400, 500 million, all of a sudden after a, a, a successful run is now worth, you know, two point something billion dollars, right? It's just amazing, you know, some of the network that these guys are getting. You look at the Senate, um, the, the Warriors. Right? Well, how much she buy for? Four hundred, five hundred million. Four hundred fifty million. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's worth two point something billion dollars, right? And everyone sees Steph Curry get a two hundred million dollar contract and say, "Oh my God, this is amazing." Well, no, if you're the owner, that's amazing, right? So, um, I absolutely, if that opportunity already presented itself, I would definitely jump at it. Yeah, I think uh, Richard Sherman uh, was talking about last week about the fact that they've got to. Uh, they were comparing salaries of NFL players with NBA players, and of course, the NBA players make more. He was saying they got to do something like uh, with, about that salary cap because they feel like uh, for the NFL players, they're they're largely underpaid, and because um, I think you know they get about forty eight percent of revenue at the end of the day. Um, and I've always kind of thought that too a little bit myself. I'm like, you know, clearly when it comes to physical. Uh, uh, pain and abuse and what you give in terms of your body, you know, football by far, you know, it's more than basketball. Uh, yet it's flipped when it gets to the salary side of things. Um, do you think the players will ever go towards a uh, higher salary cap in the NFL or there's some other reason for why uh, they make what they make? No, I think the reason why is just the injury rate. If you look at the injury rate in the NBA versus the NFL, I mean, it's double, triple, I would imagine. Um, so there's a lot of liability there for owners. And if you sell the pedal salaries, I mean, I, I, I get why it's not that case um, in the NFL. Um, but I do think that we could do a better job if, if our contracts are uh, smaller in terms of monetary value they should be more guarantees. Right. I think that's what Sherman was talking about. That was the difference. They're guaranteed in the NBA. They're guaranteed in baseball. Right, not right. not guaranteed in the NFL or except for the bonus that you get up front or in some cases, you know, maybe a third of the contract. Yeah, he was saying guaranteed. That seems It seems like it should be because 
You put your body on the line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, if now that I'm a business owner, I, I understand, right? If if I sign someone to a five year, one hundred fifty million dollar deal, and they throw out, and they blow out their knee in, in, in week one, and and they can't play, or they're not the same player that they are, and I'm and I'm in them for, you know, thirty million a year as as an owner, I have a problem with that, right? I mean, it's not you can't tie my hand. So I, I understand both sides mm-hmm. of it. Um, I, I just think, you know, I, and I, I just think players need to use there. There's an assurance piece that you can have to protect your income in your contract. I just, I just think that needs to be more of an option for players that sign these big contracts to protect themselves against injury. They just have to pledge some funds um, with some assurance to just, you know, protect that upside. Right. Makes makes a lot of sense. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you, Gary, taking the time to chat with me today and uh, graciously ask you to keep me in touch with the progress of the restaurant, when you, especially if you get one a little closer to the New York, New Jersey area, because I definitely want to go. The, the, the food looks and sounds fabulous. And uh, I wish you continued success, my friend. All right. Thank you, man. Same to you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. By the way, you can download the all-new Podcast One app now in the App Store or on Google Play. Find your favorite shows and new content to go with them like articles, behind-the-scenes photos, and videos. There is no other podcast app like this. Check it out. HBO's Game of Thrones is back for its seventh season. Winter is finally here, and so are the White Walkers. Will the seven kingdoms of Westeros survive the threat from the north, or will they fall in the looming war for the Iron Throne? After you're done watching an episode, join the discussion here on the Game of Thrones After Show on Podcast One. Every week, our hosts discuss each episode in detail, from shocking twists to fan theories, as the series chronicles the violent struggle among the realm's noble families for ultimate power. Join the fray every week on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to click on the banner ad entitled, You Won't Believe What These Child Stars Look Like Now. Be dissatisfied, and kind of sad, about how the child stars look. And now your computer is plagued by incessant pop-up ads. Oh, this can't be good. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 clickbait minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.